Welcome to the Magic Hours Podcast, the podcast where we discuss art, pop culture, and spirituality. I'm your host, Zoe Flowers, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get into the show. Welcome, welcome back to the Magic Hours. This is Zoe Flowers, and I'm so glad to be finally having this conversation. So I want to go ahead and introduce you all to Ada. So Ada and I met, was it 2019? Mm-hmm. It was 2019. Yep, it was. And um, Ada and I met because I think we were having a show. Is that right? I, I just... Yeah. I think uh, Jeremy from <gasps> uh, Poetics Theater. That's what right. I Because I was asking him if he knew of any performers um, for an art show that I was having. And you were one of the first ones to answer. And we got along so well. And you read poetry there, which was beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. That is absolutely right. I just remember we met at that cute cafe outside Mm -hmm. and we were just yakking and yakking and yakking and did we leave that cafe and go to another cafe we did (laughs) i think we wanted like chocolate or something yeah we were like there's no pastries here like this is a problem (laughs) yes that's right that's right so those of you all that follow the podcast you know i like to talk to people that i know really well i like to talk to folks that i kind of know and then i like to talk to folks that i don't know at all and so obviously ada is one of those people that i know but i feel like i could just learn more and more and more about them so ada rezo was born in is it tirana tirana yeah tirana Albania, and grew up in small cities and towns in Massachusetts, New York, Maine, and Virginia. She received her BA in Fine Arts, Art History from the University of Virginia, and her Master's in Public Health from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. She has worked as a health educator in Guatemala City and as a qualitative researcher in New York City. As an artist, she works in photography, performance, and mixed media. Her work explores belonging, displacement, identity, femininity, queerness, sexuality, the body, and socio-political dynamics. She also practices performance, mixed media, and conceptual art. Ada currently lives in Brooklyn and is working on a project that exposes the legacy of slavery in New York City with her girlfriend, Elsa Ellie Waith, and co-conspirator Maria Robles, called Slavers of New York. So it is my absolute pleasure to have this conversation with Ada today. So let's go ahead and get into it. Yay, thank you, Zoe. Yes, yes. Okay, so there's a lot in your bio. Where to start? (laughs) Um, I have lots of, (laughs) it's a lot. I have lots of, lots of questions. So I guess I'll start with like, as you walk, through the world, you know, how do you see yourself uh, as you walk through the world? Hmm. Well, I am a Taurus sun, a Taurus moon, and Aquarius rising. So 
like I feel like my life is often categorized by um, this search for both security and safety, you know, my Torian roots, and then also like um, revolution and um, non and, and freedom. Like yes. my Aquarian self is always looking to center um, like my values of like collective, co like collective work, um, care, um, you know, equality, justice, whereas like my Torian self is like, just learn about Bitcoin already. <laughs> Maybe that's my Aquarian side. Um, but um, I often feel like uh, my life purpose is to just feel as free as possible. Um, but that comes with a lot of sacrifice. Um, and I also feel like, um, like as an artist, I think my work as an artist um, really um, is the way that I have, that I express that sort of Aquarius rising, like the need for imagining new worlds, new possibilities. Um, yeah, did I answer the question? You did, you did, you did. And that's so interesting. I was just listening to, so one of the podcasts I love is the astrology podcast. And they started this series where they focus on a sign every, you know, at every, at every month. Um, and so obviously we just left, um, well, I guess we didn't just leave Taurus season. I mean, I had a really amazing Taurus season, much more than Gemini, which I have a Gemini, right? I have a Gemini moon. So I thought I was going to have an amazing Gemini season and it was just like, Meh. but because Taurus season was so good. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things they talked about is the revolutionary side of Taurus. Mm -hmm. We have some very famous Taurus organizers. Interesting. Yes. And so, um, so don't sleep. On um, your <laughs> Torian um, nature, mm. because yeah, Torians can Torians can be pretty revolutionary as okay. well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And that, that but what a mix, though. Still, I mean, that's wow. That moon and the sun, and then and then the Aquarius is like, yeah. And we also want freedom. Mm. Mm -hmm. for the collective we love that we love that what other um placements do you know about that you have that we might find interesting hmm. well my mercury is also in taurus okay um, and then i think both my venus and mars are in pisces okay and i have a friend who's super into astrology and they sort of did this interesting interpretation of my chart where it's like they um get like the the sign that most influences you mm -hmm. um based on your chart and actually it's Pisces uh, for me so that was something 
really interesting to discover because I do feel like I'm a very emotional, sensitive um, type person and sort of realizing that I had a lot of influence of water was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and those are the only, that's the only other thing that I think that I can think of that's like kind of interesting about my chart. It is interesting that Venus in Pisces and that Mars in Pisces is also very, very interesting. Um, I just heard about that too, that overall chart reader on the same, on the same podcast last weekend. So I definitely want to delve more into that too and see what my ultimate chart ruler is. So I love this, this mix of security, but it's kind of like I'm hearing the security for all, not just security for the self and freedom for all. Again, very, in very innovative ways, which is very, very Aquarius. So let's talk about some of your art influences and how and so I talked about the mediums but I'd love to hear from you about the mediums that you work in and Mm. what inspired you to work in the in your favorite mediums I guess we could say Mm, um well I'm not a you know I guess classically trained artist I studied art history Mm -hmm. um And so my journey as an artist, I think was like, because I, you know, moved around so much and, um, you know, I lived in Guatemala City, I studied, got my master's in public health in London. And so initially it was like, what is at my disposal at me immediately once I get, you know, a, a, a wind of inspiration. And so photography was really easy because you could just have uh, a film camera and really take it anywhere and get just really beautiful quality photos, like picturesque, paint, paint, like painterly photos. Um, so, you know, initially it started with like, I don't, I can't carry art supplies with me everywhere. So a camera is the easiest way to practice. Um, and that's how I sort of got into photography. Um, but even, even now it was like, even, when I wanted to delve into like other mediums, it was really about what do I have at hand? And so like, I do a lot of like, I find objects, I collect them, I keep them around for a few years. And then I'm like, oh wait, these can go together. Um, Mm. And like behind me, I have a sculpture that I'm working on with, you know, some, there's a, there's a bottle of pain cream (laughs) in it. And this, you know, flower um that you can find in the Albanian Alps like in higher altitudes that's called like the eternal flower or the immortal flower because it it looks the same when you pick it and when it's dried the yellows in it is super vibrant Mm. Um, so I think a lot of my practice is characterized by like what do I have at hand and I definitely have a large stock of like art supplies but um I feel like I only very recently understood and accepted my identity as an artist. Like it was really around the time that I met you that I was first beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I started working. Um, I think the project that I'm, my biggest project mo- like and most recent project um, that I've been focusing on um, uses menstrual blood, um, which is also 
the other work that I think you, um, for the art show that you uh, came into, I was also working with that. Um, and that's like a very readily available medium. Right. You know? right. I get it every month. Right. <laughs> so, and there's just so much symbolic power. There's so much, it's so visceral. Um, I almost have to stop myself from using it in everything because I, you know, I, I don't know why I feel the need to do that. Um, and so the most recent project I've been working on is I've been adding the blood to my blood to an Albanian flag um, because my culture, Albanian culture is like weirdly obsessed with blood or the Albanian's blood. Really? Um, yeah, even, um, even when I was there this past, I was there in May for an entire month spending time on a farm and and hiking and whatever. Um, and there's this uh, mosaic in Tirana close to my house with these red stones. Um, it's essentially the Albanian flag, but they got these red stones, I think from the South and then other black stones that they used to make the double-headed eagle. Um, that is characteristic of our flag because it's a black double-headed eagle in the center and surrounded by red. Um, and it even, in the explanation of this mosaic, it's like, oh, we're celebrating um, the 100 years of Albanian independence and nationhood. Um, the red, these red stones are very characteristic of Albania. And we like to say that they, they're red because they carry our blood that we've shed in building our nation and protecting ourselves. Um, because as people we're very anarchic, um, maybe not even, unfortunately also hierarchical anarchy like anarchist groups it's kind of hard to describe but um but coming together has been really really difficult for us um mm. as a people and um there's been a lot of genocide and violence um by other countries in in the balkan region um to take over land that albanians have inhabited um and so we speak a lot about the blood that, is, that, that we've shed in order to be to survive. Um, and I think in the different ways that that showed up in my, in my in cultural artifacts that I was investigating, um, like there's a, for example, there's a song by a Kosovar artist that she says like, the blood we shed is not in vain, this blood in the flag remains. Mm -hmm. um, and having her listening to that song, I don't know, 2018, I was like, oh, that's, that's really kind of deep. Um, and I was like, what, what would that be like, actually, if my blood never is never lost, and it's remains in the flag? What if I really practice that? And so or attempted <clears throat> that, like, what would happen? And it was, it was interesting, but what has happened now um, is that it's in a plastic bag and I can't even open the bag because the, the olfactory component is so strong to this piece. Oh. <laughs> yeah. it's like two years of blood and oh. like, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a three foot by five foot flag. And um, 
I had another mentor explain to me like, you know, conservation of that piece is going to be really difficult or archiving that piece will be difficult um, because it has, because it's polyester and it's also like a organic material. Right. Right. Um, And so I have to come up with an arc for it. I have to, how do I complete this project? Because obviously I can't keep adding blood to it Mm -hmm. because otherwise it will just stay in that bag for forever. Mm. Um, So I think I really need answers and I need um, for how to complete it. Like, do I burn the flag? Do I bury the flag? I, I think a ritual is definitely necessary. Mm. Um, but, um, I also, and I think we've spoken about this before, like blood comes from my body, um, from a vulnerable place. And what does it mean that I am putting it out into the world? Mm-hmm. Um, be, and I mean, we all do that. We all put it into, but the fact that I've disrupted that I am concerned, um, in mm-hmm. a sense. And so I'm also wondering what, um, if you can help me with how do I sort of like protect myself from having this part of me out in the world in a non-traditional way. Right. Because you have the flag, but then you also have the the framed, right, that you showed during the um, exhibit during the gap during the opening so what happened to those pieces I still have those pieces they okay I sold a few um I gave a few to friends and I have the rest hanging in my home Uh uh-huh um and those are you know those were just um I think watercolor paper and blood that I sort of I don't know how to describe it, uh, intuitively moved on the sheet to create sort of abstract forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, those are all framed. Um, this flag is, yeah, like I mentioned in the bag. In yeah. The bag, you know? yeah. Um, and it was, I had it just rolled up simply for a while, but, yeah. um, but then I kept adding blood to it and now it's, wow. it, I'm really, I think if I were to put it in a frame that could work like a if I made a like a sort of boxed frame because yeah. the glass can't touch it otherwise the glass can also apparently ruin art um yeah I didn't I didn't know that um so I mean I could just exhibit it mm-hmm. like in a frame mm-hmm. um but I'm also want to explore returning it yeah in some way to the earth, like yeah. as part of that process of um, all things, like all things must return to the earth. So yeah, yeah, better to control that in a sense. It's returned you, to you. So it's so a couple of things. One thing it's interesting that you said that you're just now seeing yourself as an artist, mm. and yet you went to school for it and. Clearly, it's literally something that's from within you. Did you always have this um, draw 
to the visual world or do, did you always have an artistic sensibility about yourself even before school? Like, were you like that as, as a child? That's my question. Definitely. I was, you know, cast in leading roles in our plays. I was on dance team. I didn't, I, I, I worked more in like, or I practiced more like performing arts. Uh Um, and I really loved that, but I come from a very conservative family. Uh Um, and you know, it was like, well, you know, Ada, like you're, this is nice that you're spending all this time and having fun, but like, you got to become a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. So like, get it together. Okay. Um, so then <laughs> despite my affinity for like the arts, um, I tried to fit into this mold and I applied to medical school. I interviewed, I almost went, mm-hmm. um, and then I was like, no, nah, that's too restrictive. Like I, don't deal well with authority. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten in trouble for a dress code at every almost every single job I've been at. <laughs> like, um, clearly, I don't do well with restriction. Um, so I was like, you know, having you know two hundred k in debt to go to medical school and having to study that hard. Like, I can't live the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. One of joy, of freedom, um, of following my intuition. It's very, very prescriptive future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I, I started to allow myself the joy of making art in a sense, like picked up photography. Um, but then I just, I realized that even... I was working in research. That was a nine to five job in front of a computer with a commute in New York City. So then I just didn't have time for anything. Um, and now I'm just doing my best to balance late, like different types of labors and labors that pay and my art, which maybe one day will, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've talked to other New York artists Mm -hmm. uh, as part of these ongoing conversations. And so I would love for you to tell me, what do you think is the most exciting thing about being a New York-based artist? Mm. There's just always an opportunity to like learn um, here from other artists um there's an incredible exhibit right now at the brooklyn museum um i don't know if you've heard of guadalupe maravillosa i think his last name Mm. is Mm -hmm. or their last name is Uh, uh they make these sculptures that use a component of sound and like found objects um and they're like beds chairs for healing yeah You've seen them? Or- yeah, if if this is the same one I'm thinking of, this might be the um is it nature at all? There's some elements of nature in it. Um but it's in the Brooklyn Museum. This might be the the piece that I saw at the Salem Museum last mm-hmm. October. Mm-hmm. Cuz it was these soundscapes 
And then it was like all of these found objects. I wonder if it's the same thing. I'm going to have to look and see. Yeah. Um, it sounds similar for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and his, this exhibit only recently got here. So it's possible that it was, um, and it's, it seems appropriate. They're very, very witchy or, mm -hmm. or lofty or wizardy or magical. Yes. Yes. Um, but that was just like so powerful for me because I, I oftentimes think about like, how can I make um, objects or apparatuses or rituals of healing and forgiveness? Um, and so, yeah, that's what I love about New York City is that you can find other artists that are working with similar ideas and similar um, goals. And it's just, it's so inspiring to, to always have other artists work exhibited around me. And, you know, thinking back to your bio about this theme of displacement, mm -hmm. and I'd love to know where that comes from, if it comes from living in different places, where do, or does it come, I mean, just being an artist, we always feel like that anyway. So part of it is that, but I'd love to hear your take on um, displacement. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think um, having been born in Albania um, and having come to the United States, like Albania at the time was very isolationist um, and authoritarian. Um, the only modern equivalent that we have today is North Korea. So Albania was what North Korea is now, like so difficult to go in, very difficult for local people to come out. And so, my parents had a very restrictive mindset or even my community has a very restrictive mindset that we're still trying to overcome. Um, and so even though I had come to the United States, it felt like I was growing up in this authoritarian, like traditional Albanian household. And um, there was a lot of emphasis on who we were. You know, we were Albanian, we were not American. And so therefore we held ourselves to different moral um, values and different standards. And so I think because of that, I didn't have an immersive experience in American culture. Like to this day, I've never watched The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> and um, I, only recently, I only recently started learning more about sort of American culture um, okay. through my partner who's an American. Um, and, but then when I went back to Albania for the first time, um, we sought political asylum. So we had to wait a really long time to get our documents to even be able to leave the United States. Um, and so when I turned 18, I went for the first time to Albania and, and I would go often and I still go often. Um, but when I go, people are like, oh, you're are you really Albanian? You're, you're kind of American, like, right? Like you mm -hmm. lived abroad, mm -hmm. just go stay over there. Like you escaped, your family mm. escaped. Like, what are you doing coming back? Like, go be American. Um, <laughs> Not go be American. Not go be American. 
Um, because for them, for them, yeah. you know, people come here and yeah. they're like, oh, stuff's so much better. And like, sometimes they're lying because it's not so much better, you know, like, but Albanians want to be like, you know, oh yeah, we made it over here. Everything's great. Our lives are great. And like, we're already professors while they're like washing tables, you know, like, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of, we just create this, you know, imaginary America where we've already succeeded. And so Albanians have a very strange concept of what the United States is. Um, and so, you know, I was being, I felt like I was like pushed out in both ways. Like, you know, I was always exoticized um, because, you know, I can be a little bit racially ambiguous and I lived in small towns. So there weren't, weren't a lot of other immigrants around. Um, and so it, like, even to this day, I don't really know where I belong. Like, do I just decide to live in New York City? Like, if I were to move anywhere, where would I go? I don't have a hometown. Like, my parents recently moved from Virginia back to Massachusetts. Like, do I move to Albania? Like, that's a big question that I have. Um, so just a lot of my um, experience lends itself to one of being like a migrant, like having moved around a lot, not knowing where home is, not um, knowing how to necessarily like find my community, my people. And um, and the, the flag that I made was also a part of trying to, am I Albanian enough? If I add my blood to the flag, am I Albanian enough? you know, like what, how do I relate to my culture or how do I relate? And so do I even relate to that culture? Like, I'm still even trying to find out like what parts of that resonate with me. And if it's possible to sort of maybe move back. Um, mm. So that's uh, a little bit about my sense of displacement and how I explore that in some of my work. Yeah, and I'm sure that, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure that people listening can relate to that. I definitely can relate to that sense of where is home. Mm. Um, and also I feel that as, as you were talking about Albanian people wanting America to be better, I feel like that's very American. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, aren't we all like, aren't, isn't that what the influencer are doing? Like taking pictures in front of big jets and things like that. Like it's very, it's very, very. Mm -hmm. And so what are you, what's, what do you feel has the capacity to ground you at this time because so many of us are looking for rootedness and groundedness and so I'm not going to say what grounds you right because we're all figuring it out but what has the capacity like where where are you turning right now mm. I have eight tomato plants <laughs> in my front yard oh. 
and I haven't even I asked it. the landlord. Um, so I might be in trouble, but I, you know, if I offer them tomatoes, maybe it won't be a problem. <laughs> um, I don't want to say anything else that could potentially get you in trouble with your landlord, but that tomato that I saw in the beginning before we were online, did that come from oh, your garden? Right. No, 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 <laughs> not yet. I'm, they're still, I just had a few of them flower and produce fruit, but they're not ready yet. No, those are just okay. other tomatoes that I bought. Okay. Um, okay. So I think plants, plants root me a lot. Yeah, um, of course, of course. And um, I think this is like a practice in like, could I be, you know, a rural queer? Could I have a, a farm somewhere and live my queer life? Um, this was the first experiment is if I can grow these eight tomato plants, if I can grow delicious tomatoes here then I can grow them anywhere so that's right yeah yeah I I mean definitely for me and I don't I can't remember if we talked about this before but definitely I've been looking for places outside of the city I feel like the panorama has made some of us really start to look at things differently around what do we need you know for me it was a big deal to think about and still what does it mean to be an artist not living in New York? Because literally I spent my whole life wanting to be an artist who lives in New York. Like everything was around moving to New York city and being an artist. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like a panorama. Right. To make you be like, do I really need to live in New York city to be an artist? Uh, you know? Yeah. Definitely a question I asked myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause this place is quite chaotic. And, and, and my home feels very peaceful. Mm. My little apartment feels, so I don't feel the chaos. And also though, yesterday I was like, damn, today would be a perfect day to be on my back porch. Mm. Like it would be perfect to be somewhere where I had, like, I could just be in my backyard, like surrounded by beauty mm. and quiet if I want it. Mm. So it's that redefining what is needed in this time absolutely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. I love if I can grow these eight tomatoes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and and it's but it's also that if you can make it in New York you can make it anywhere right so that's you can go anywhere yeah, yeah you can go anywhere so let's do the reading and then we'll come back around and I'll ask you just a few more questions. Great. All right. So we want to do an overall theme. You kind of mentioned some things that maybe you wanted some clarity on. Do you want to focus on those things? They're not 100%. Those questions aren't 100% like still in my brain, which is good. Um, or do you have uh, something else? Mm. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love clarity on um, the development of my art mm. and sort of what I need to do um, I guess, hmm. yeah, how can I, how can I develop, how can I 
what guidance can I have to continue to develop my art towards the highest good? Great question. Great question. So we're actually going to start with um, the Sacred Destiny deck. And maybe the Mystic Martians. We'll see. But let's let's start with the Sacred Destiny around this question of moving the art forward. So, so what is your guidance around moving the art forward? And Ada, could you just do me a favor and just say your full name three times as I shuffle, please? Mm -hmm. Ada Resso, Ada Resso, Ada Resso. Thank you. And just invite Ada Resso's most enlightened ancestors and spirit guides into this conversation to provide them with the information, inspiration, and confirmation that they are looking for. Zoe Flowers, Zoe Flowers, Zoe Flowers. And just allow me to be a clear channel for this information. So here we go, here we start, which is interesting. We started with the water and apparently we're gonna stay in the water. So we have embracing here. This makes me think about, we started with this, you know, this, again, we started with this Pisces conversation and I wonder if (laughs) more fluidity, because the other piece here is we have embracing. So both obviously still water things here. And so it's like embracing your inherent wisdom. I am feeling like we need to delve into the ancestral. It's like going even further with your ancestral wisdom. And I wonder if there's like Isis. No, not you, Isis. Um, I wonder if there are some practices your ancestry and also patience. We also have patience here. Mm. And we have security in reverse now. Wow. Obviously, so obviously when a when a card is in reverse, there is an energy that is a stagnant energy or a block. And so it's almost like we have patience and we have security in reverse. So it's almost like an over an over uh, attentiveness to security, which of course, I mean, we're Taurus, like, it's, of course, like your earth, right? I have a Capricorn rising, like, I get it, right? Like, we're always going to be like concerned about, like, mm-hmm. I like to see my checking account go one way in one direction, up, period. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it shakes me, but we have to come out of that. And so, working to release the ancestral lack and limitation because this is in reverse. And this is always my ancestor card because you see we have like the the cave paintings Mm -hmm. there. 
and the fire. So it's like the original fire. And I don't know if you can see the painting, the cave paintings in there as well. So this is overcoming the lack, limitation, poverty mindset in the lineage. Understanding that where you're going is going to take patience, but also meaning where you're going as an artist is going to take patience. However, mm -hmm. the better you can do at releasing that, that ancestral piece, the better off you will be. And actually it will speed up your abundance. Where are we going next? So it's like embracing the wisdom, the magic of your folks, but not the pieces that are not relevant to you in your life today. And the question also is like, am I living my own life or am I living somebody else's life? Which is the question that's funny is coming back around because this was the question that was swirling for me around the blood in the flag. Is this you actually doing this or is this another energy that's living its life out through you? And so if, and not saying to stop doing that work, obviously, but getting real clear about, is it actually you? Is it your story? Or is it again, another energy? Ancestor guidance here, ancestor guidance here around the art. Love it. This is what I'm talking about. This is what we like to see. So we have earth magic, nature, rituals. Notice the signs. Investigate nature spirits. The more that you can... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to like this. The more that you can incorporate nature birth, rebirth, and not trauma. It's time to move out of the trauma in the arc and move more into things that actually enliven you, things that actually make you feel alive. This is the message for this time. It's like, okay, you got like two or three more years of like trauma art, and then it's time to be like, to birth something new, even in your conversation, even in your thinking. So noticing the signs. So if you are around people, places, and things, and you and the conversation starts to go in a certain direction, notice how that lands in your body. Notice what enlivens your body and notice what brings your energy down. I'm going to stop right here and you can ask me questions. Mm. Um, when you said that perhaps it's not necessarily me, perhaps it's an, something else that's working through me. Um, is it like a specific ancestor's energy? Is it more collective than that? Is it not someone that was like, yeah, can you say more about that? What I'm feeling is it's like a young girl. 
Hmm. Like my inner child. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. Huh. It's interesting. So I went to the past life deck and I get male, female. And so this is that identity piece coming in. Um, it's like, I, no, not your, no, not your, no, not your inner child. Like, of course you're wrapped up in there too, but it's like, there needs to be, they're just going to tell me every one of us has to come to a place where we allow ourselves to cut the cord between ourselves our in our ancestors, ourselves and our lineage. We don't want the cords to be so wrapped up that you miss out on the things of your life. Your ancestors want you to, again, I keep hearing this word enliven and be lifted up, not dragged down not even caught in like the minutia of day-to-day -day life. And it's like, we get it, it's hard, it's challenging because you're in a place that wants you to focus on the minutia, but really it's like, they want you to look up. It's like, come out of the depths. This was the first card that came up. So it's like, you've gone down to the bottom of the ocean, okay? You've done that. And so it's like, embrace what you found down there. Embrace those messages, you're a messenger. Embrace those messages that you found at the bottom of the ocean. Bring them up to the surface and share them. But understand that there's a deeper place that you can go with your art like what would it mean to do earth-based ritual in your art what would it mean to like mix because well they said mixed media already but it's like mixing like the photography and the this and the that. It's like showing rituals, showing actually healing rituals, showing people how they can heal. Ah, ah, as you're healing. Ah. So it's like not allowing yourself to get stuck in again, wow, damn, and here's the trees right here. It's mm. like nature, 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 nature. Mm. so it's like not allowing yourself to get stuck in like low vibrational conversations like the moral of the story is not allowing yourself to get stuck in low vibrational conversation it's like look up look up look up how are you healing that's the story how are you healing and is your art and this is a question for you is your art reflecting your healing journey in the way that you want it to? That's the question for you. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. So it's yeah, like, go ahead. Yeah, I'm definitely, as you're speaking, I'm like, I think I am getting some confirmation on 
an idea that I had to complete the flag project. And I, I do think that when you said looking up, I thought about smoke. Um, and so, and, and to not be dragged down, to not look down. And I, it made me think about, I think that this flag needs a burning ritual. And then with the ashes, I will have another answer and another potential. Like, it's like whatever my, like, yeah, there's some, there's, there's always more to be done. There's always more healing to be done. Right. And like, you know, matter is neither created nor destroyed. That's right. <laughs> and That's so, right. you know, here's the blood turns into a flag, turns into ashes. What do the ashes become? What do I do with that? And do I, I do that? Do I keep that? Like what? Yeah. What well, what I do love is that this was the fire here as well. Wow. Now I'm gonna go to the tarot because and this is just Zoe. So typically I always say if it's me or if it's like I'm channeling. So for me, I have concerns about burning, burning just because of the blood, but that's just that's just me. So um, let's, let's see what the guidance is here. And they want a cleaner deck. So we're not going to use the pros. We're going to go with the beautiful, lovely other kin because it's just a lighter energy. Mm. And so it's like, okay, so they're saying it's fine to do the burning if it's mm -hmm, like, if it's surrounded in light and love and honey and goodness and dance and this and that, and not like serious, like. No, it would not be serious. Yeah, like it's uh. gonna, it's gotta be like whimsical, like these cards, these cards are whimsical. Right. So what's the most likely outcome of winning? Way too many cards. Real clear on this Okay, eight of wands. That's interesting. Interesting. Mm. That's, that's a good card. Not a bad card. What else do we have? That's interesting. So that's like news. That's like fast moving energy. Mm. Huh. And then, okay. Okay. One more. Yeah. What else do we have about this flag? Oh, I see that regeneration there. Isn't that interesting? Okay. All right. Great. I like this. Okay. So we have the eight of wands. So we know that that is, you know, fast moving energy, things moving. And so, so that's, that's good. So, and also we have the seven of cups. So we know that this can be a card of distraction 
like so many ideas, so many things to do, right? But it's like, again, not getting caught in the minutia, not being distracted even by that. It's like, okay, I'm going to make the decision and I'm going to do it. We have stubbornness in reverse, right? Which is good because we know that donkeys can be very slow, very plodding, right? Very obstinate. And so this is like an, a releasing of that energy. And then we also have sheep follow in reverse as well. So it's like an opening, a releasing of stubbornness and also moving away from following and moving more into a leadership position. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Closing one chapter. I think those the animals that you selected are also interesting, the um, sheep and the donkey, because those are definitely um, animals that you find everywhere in Albania. Like, oh. especially if you leave the main city, most people wow. hear sheep bells or goat bells at some point in the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's, again, so it's like a releasing of that Again, a releasing of that energy. Huh. And then you said the sheep and the follow. And so like you were saying, like you have a problem with um, authority, as do I. We do not like to be told what to do. And so this, again, is like you even more coming away from that type of energy. Does that make sense? Again, stepping into your own leadership. and we have these yeah we have these very um these animals also right like the cattle or the so again it's like very what do they call these kinds of animals like, like sheep and yes yes thank you thank you so much yes absolutely Absolutely. But in also, it also kind of goes against your, the part of your nature, the Taurian part of the nature, which can be very stubborn, which can be very slow, which can be conservative, right? So it's also like taking yourself out of your comfort zone and, and moving towards the mystical. And it's like, go further with the mystical, not being afraid to show the mystical side of your art. What else do we have about this art? Thank, you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I worry a lot that um, using ritual or the mystical, um, will have a, a flavor of cult of the cult, occult. <laughs> of occult. just a cult. Oh. <laughs> um, what you you using blood in your art? Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 a culty. I don't know. It is, and sometimes I'm like, that's hmm, like the it's like the ultimate, like it's like beyond. Yeah. Yeah. 
so and again this is just zoe so 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 think about you didn't already gone to the edge you didn't already gone to the place where people are like oh my god like what like she what so anything you do after that is like like you've already like right yeah which which i i think is why sometimes um i why i think rich like earth magic is going to be important because that's not as ego centered I think um as like maybe other cult like like the I don't know what I'm trying to say but um well don't censor yourself so just say what you feel hmm um Yeah, I think a lot about um, the power of absurdity and um, and I think the answer I'm receiving is like, yes, lean into the mystical, but also lean into, I guess, like possibility and um, and also a sense of absurdity. Like you're saying, keep it whimsical, keep it light. It doesn't have to be a serious thing. And I oftentimes think about how, when we think about ritual, it's like this heavy practice mm-hmm. um, of connection. And um, like, how can I lean away from that mm-hmm. so that it doesn't feel heavy um, or culty? Mm-hmm. Or if it does feel culty, is it funny? Does it bring humor? Does it bring lightness? Um, Does it bring playfulness? Spirit is so funny because this goes back to this question about what has the capacity to ground you. And Mm. so it's like, what do you need? And whatever it is you need, that is what you put in your art. Mm. So if you need, you know, a seven of cups that is a freaking octopus with like, which is just absurd. I mean, it's just like the silliest eyes ever. That's <laughs> what you create, right? This earth magic, this like gnome person. Mm-hmm. Right, but I'm gonna read this. Um, so let's see what it says. During the early Anglo-Saxon period, people were not able to read or write, so their history and knowledge were passed through storytelling. They believed in supernatural creatures such as elves, dragons, and invisible lines of power that ran through everything on earth. Spirits lived in the trees, rocks, mountains, rivers, lakes, oceans, and ponds. In accord with these beliefs, the Anglo-Saxons used charms, symbols, talismans, herbal potions, precious stones, crystals, chants, and spells to protect them. People visited soothsayers. Hunting folk were highly respected and valued healers. The ancestors speak. Take a look at your everyday rituals and charms. Find ways of bringing some magic into your daily routine. Watch the sunrise or dip your toes in the ocean and invite the wonder and healing of nature to your world. And then the divinatory meaning is learn more about earth and water spirits. 
and how you can connect with their energy in and around your environment. And then it says, go to a place of nature, meditate, et cetera. So it's interesting. I had forgotten that it said water spirits. So it looks like even that, like with all of that water in your chart, flipping it instead of allowing it to be like heavy water, especially as we're going into cancer season, um, what would it mean to be more like a water sprite where the sprites are like, again, light and loose and this and that and not weighed down by the emotions. So it's like leaning into something else. Yes, that is what I have on that. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that feels confirming. Mm -hmm. Great. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, other questions? Hmm. Um, hmm. I guess I do also wonder, um, I mean, you kind of answered this. I was, I was asking about what's blocking, what might be blocking me or I don't know if I asked that, but you mentioned um, scarcity consciousness um, or poverty consciousness that I had to release. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But I also wonder if there's anything else that's blocking me. Yeah, let's check it out. Besides ADD and ADHD. It might be some wider telling me to go to the ISIS deck. I don't know, but I'm sure that they will let me know. What is it? Okay, I like that. I like that. I'll take that. Interesting. That's interesting too. Okay, that's interesting. All right, so this is kind of like a confirmation. They don't want to use that deck. Okay. All right. We will use the crystal deck. No, not right now. No, nothing else. Okay. Stay true and be in your power. Osiris and Isis, Lord and Lady of Divine Authority. So the question was around your block. So it's being comfortable with your power. Oh, now this male and female makes sense. Hmm. So it's like leaning leaning into all sense all parts of yourself like the male identified part and the female identified part it's like a it's mm -hmm. it's it's like a it's like a it's it's like an ice cream cone that ice cream cone that i used to like like with the chocolate squirrel mm -hmm. and the and the, mm -hmm. and the white the chocolate and the vanilla it's like integrating integrating both parts of yourself confidently and being okay with being in your power, being okay, making sure your yeses are true yeses and making sure your no's are true no's, making sure that you're keenly aware of what you're saying yes and no to. So if there's a block, it's your lack of confidence in your own state and your own sense of being that is the main block right and then we have talismans of potency charging sacred objects of power this is the second time that we've seen this um, because in the earth magic card um where did you go that quickly um 
we have nature rituals charms. So, mm, so there could also be something like in the family line around mm -hmm. like um, enemies and things like that, that could just be trickling down, but nothing for you to really pay attention to. If anything, just getting yourself like some sacred objects, like for protection, like I have like this close to me, I have several, um, rings and things like that that are talismans like I just I started getting into talismans in, in late 2020 after an illness just to keep myself protected and then we have knot of of Isis energetic stabilization um and so again just cutting any heavy cords to the past right and this is also ancestral so it's like part of it is just like your own shakiness and who you are which just makes sense as like an artist a younger person living in new york like that just makes sense mm -hmm. um, and then there's just like some ancestor things that will unravel themselves um over time does that make sense mm -hmm. and and balance yourself is like right here too that's beautiful yeah. So that's, that's what it really is. It's like balancing yourself, mind, body, spirit, you know, the drill, you know, the drill and getting yourself some sort of sacred talisman mm. that you wear. I do have some black tourmaline that I have on. Um, it's like a charm yeah. for a pendant, and I just haven't bought the thing to to make a necklace yeah and also um because i'm now i'm looking at your your beautiful um sculpture back there so just remembering that as you're finding found objects you want to cleanse them and attune them to your energy and not just like picking stuff up and bringing it in your house because we know that everything holds energy so if you haven't if you haven't done that, then even just going through your house and like spraying things, depending on what they are with like salt water, like if they can take a little salt or um, Florida water or um, Palo Santo, right? Putting your crystals around them. You wanna just not be bringing everything into your house, especially not where we live. Right. right. Like, you know, me, how I got myself in a, in a pickle um, is because I'm always up in the astral world. I'm always like out there doing stuff. And then it's like, oh, okay, she want to be up here. Well, let me just attach to her. You know what I mean? So I have to be more careful about mm. what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. So that's cleansing your apartment energetically. Like, yes. Mm. Yes, very important for you to do. And it's interesting because like, even as I said that I'm getting like a little dizzy, like a little like weirdness. So I don't know if you get like weird headache or something like that, or like just something weird in the head um, or even your partner, just making sure that you're keeping your apartment energetically clean. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we definitely try to keep it like regularly clean. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, of course.
<laughs> so it, yeah, like I need, I definitely need to think about that um, and do that more often. Yes. Yeah. Cause I don't do that intentionally. I mean, I'll use Palo Santo like to, to freshen the space yeah. or sort of make it, yeah, to clear like smells or whatever, but I don't, I don't use it with the intention of like energetically cleansing. Yeah. You need to do that. Like every deck that I bring in the house before I use it, except for mm -hmm. there's probably like two decks that I have that spirit was like, you don't need to clean this deck. And that one was my hoodoo tarot. And then mm -hmm. the other one was something else I can't remember now, but everything like I clean, like the, I, I take, when I take it out of the plastic, I clear it from the plastic. I clear the, the hands that touched it, like just all of those things, right? Because it's sensitive. Mm -hmm. I'm sensitive. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So that's what I have. Thank um, you so much. You're so welcome. Oh, I do want to give you the month of the year to pay mm -hmm. attention to, and then we'll end with um, a beautiful bird. So, spirit. Um, what month for Ada? Talking specifically about, like, I'm hearing again this word about lightning, lightening things up, and um, like ritual. It's a good month to do the ritual work. What would be a good month? What would be a good month? What would be a good month? Oh, okay, fine. It fell twice. Okay, fine. So I have March. Wow. I have March. So that'd be a good time to, oh, is that spring? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So this will be a good month to um, do some kind of ritual, some kind of like big ritual. It's funny because when we were talking, I was like, when would I do it? And I was like, probably oh. early spring. Really? that's because it fell but it was on top of other cards so I shuffled it again and it fell again so yeah well it's got to be that month then yeah March 2023 so there we go with that and then we'll just end because I love these birds so much so we'll just do a closing all right hawk pay attention a powerful message is being communicated to you now Ooh, okay talk medicine so um and then you got that other that other card about this the signs too um paying attention to the signs so noticing the signs mm. so just be on the lookout got it um i'll text you both of these you can put them on your refrigerator yeah and, and they also want you to pay attention to like whatever we said here obviously you'll have the recording because it'll be on the podcast um that's what I have so thank you so much for thank you so much spending so much time um so the last question I have for you is uh around your legacy and what is the legacy that you would want to leave behind mm. I think a legacy of practicing freedom and care. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. And how can people keep up with you? Do you have um, some, like a website or any information you want to share? Like if people want to find your work, what do we need to do? Um, Instagram is probably the best way to connect to me. And my okay. handle is at ada.reso, which is just my name. Um, and I have a website. You can just type in Ada Reso and I think it'll come up. Um, and then to follow my work with um, sort of my guerrilla education project uh, around the history of slavery in New York City, um, that's at Slavers of NY on Twitter um, or Instagram. And um, yeah, I think those are those are the main places you can find projects. <laughs> all right, you got it. You got all the places. So folks, please go out, follow Ada, like, share, and subscribe her work. And this is Zoe Flowers. Thank you so much for joining and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.